Hey big fandom, this is Editing Kara here and I just wanted to pop in real quick before we get into the intro and then the actual interview of today's episode that there are some moments during the interview where our guest's audio gets a little rocky. You know, sometimes we might be a little underwater, but after a minute it does even out and it's all good. But honestly, that's on trying to produce a podcast during a pandemic and recording remotely with a bunch of different people. So um, I promise that it does not get in the way of the impact and the wonder that is this interview. Ryan's story is so important and positive and uplifting that we were not going to let a slight sound issue get in the way of elevating his story into the podcast sphere. So without further ado, here is episode four of Big Fan. Big Fan! Oh my god. Okay, good way to begin. Um, she does not have COVID-19 as far as I'm concerned. I don't. I apologize. That was just a little spittle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you've been tested before though, right? Oh, no. that's okay. But that's, but it's fully because you have not left your house. This woman has literally not, this, okay, actually, I'm going to go into this to defend you because me, Austin Tyler Adams, lives in Chicago now. We do this over mm. Zoom, as many of you probably know. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm all the time like, Kara, please come visit me. Like, get yourself tested there. Get yourself tested here. Like, I just need to see you. And she's like, um, no, I will die because COVID-19 is everywhere and anywhere that you could look. And so this is my defense. This crazy girl, this cautious, beautiful creature of a woman really doesn't need to get tested because her best friend is her couch and her books. <laughs> You're making me sound lame. No, it's no, not you're lame. Great. She also takes it's jobs. Not, it's not lame to take your health into priority. Anyway, no. Of course but here's the is. thing. Here's the Did it just sound like I came for you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 am. I felt that support. I am. I am. I, I, am. I, That's what it, that I am coming for you in other areas, okay. though. Anyway. Wow. Um, no, I have not gotten tested, but have I left my apartment in South Florida? Absolutely not. No. Because people be running around here, maskless, just s- shooting their spittle out into Everywhere. the air. Yeah, I... Florida's the hotbed. <laughs> She's hot. She's a hotbed. Anywho, let's divert the conversation away from bodily fluids and politics. Before we recorded this, Austin and I were just talking about astrology. We were, which um, I'm an Aquarius sun. I am a Taurus. No, Scorpio moon, Taurus rising, which if any of you know anything about those individual signs and then the placement of those in that particular combo, I am the most like feelings versus logic conflicted person ever like it is the biggest struggle of my life they both live in you so strongly so strongly because scorpio moon is like emotions oh my god and then taurus rising is like okay let's think this through let's continue to be grounded and then aquarius is like i don't have feelings (laughs) (laughs) i i don't i rise above that so it's kind of wild and surprise surprise i'm also an aquarius Mm -hmm. um Taurus moon Leo rising. So we both have Aquarius and Taurus within us, but I think they present themselves in different ways. I agree. I think Taurus for your moon makes a lot of sense because 
when it comes to how you process emotions, you definitely recognize them. You don't have a problem recognizing that they're there for sure, but you are like, let's not do this I don't right now. Touch them. Yeah, you're like, we're not doing this right now. Let's do other things that are much more manageable, which I think is very mm. Taurus of you. Yeah, I like to put them into bottles and put them on a shelf. But mm. lately, I've been trying to uncork some, you know. Oh my gosh. And it's like and Prosecco some sometimes and it just goes, <laughs> pops out, sometimes, sometimes hits you in the face. Prosecco, sometimes it's tears. Ooh, salty. <laughs> salty. But our guest for this yes. week. Yes. Is a little Virgo. Yes, our little Virgo queen of the night. Lady Gaga stand forever. The our one little monster. Our little monster. Our little Halloween spectacular amazingness. Um, Ryan J. Moore. Yes, Ryan J. Moore. And we're so... I know we say this every time yeah. because we're, posi- we're positive people. Yeah, we're just really we're- affirmative people. <laughs> but we are truly... So excited, but more than excited, I think proud of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Austin and I's goal, I guess you could say, or intention of this podcast was just to elevate stories and passions and have the conversations we've always wanted to have with people in our lives. Um, and I think that we really dug deep and we explored a lot in this episode and I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And I think every person we've interviewed so far has been a story that we know personally about triumph. Um, and I feel like Ryan, like, really, like, expressed his, like, narrative of rising from, you know, his prior situations with his sexuality and just, like, existing in this world as a queer man to where he is now. And it was so inspiring. I went to work immediately after, and I felt so, so inspired. Like, I was just, like, I literally, I was, like, walking on sunshine, baby. I really was. (laughs) I felt so good. I was, like... I felt so proud to be doing what we're doing. And it was, yeah, this is a really good episode. I think you guys will really like it. Ryan, Ryan yes. is a is a joy. And we are so thankful that he took time to talk with us. He's such a joy. And we hope that this episode puts that pep in your step. Yeah. Just like the interview did for us. Um, but before we get into that, before we unbottle that sunshine. Wait, I want to ask you, because I know you're going to do it. I want to ask you first. Oh, okay. Because you always um, ask me to, first. Wait, ruin my... Way to ruin my organic segue. Ugh, but ugh, it's just because <laughs> I okay. want it. It's okay. It's okay. I'll, I give it to you. You give it to me? me. It's my turn. Okay, great. Kara, mm-hmm. hi. Hi. What are you a big fan of this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I have two. Am I allowed to have two? Yeah. yeah. You can have as m- This is our podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Can I, have, can I have two? I don't want to take up more space than I'm already doing. Oh my gosh, wait. I heard a joke recently. It was it was in a comedy special that this woman was like, as females, you can't take up that much space because what if a man wants to build a golf course there? <gasps> what if he needs to what if he needs to drive a drive a freaking club across the is it called a pitch? No. I don't know. Me either. I don't golf. give a fuck. It's it's the it's anyway. the game of business. Anyway. Anyway, thank you for that reminder. I should take up my own space. And I have two things that I'm a big fan of this week. The first um, is really fun. I discovered a new show on Hulu. As you do. As Kara does. She's always looking for new content to watch. I know, which is kind of bad because then I like abandon things that I'm in the process of watching. You abandon me. like a moth to a flame (laughs) all the time. Are we really talking about this right now? (laughs) No, 
but um, I was looking for something a little more lighthearted because I had been in with the dramas. You know, I was binging a lot of hard-hitting cinema. No, um, but I had been watching a lot of dramas, and so I discovered the show called The Bold Type. Yes, um, yes. Originally on Freeform, now available to stream on Hulu, non-spawn, but just if you want to it's get on in there, there, just so you know, um, it's on there, and it's really fun. It's a it's a show about three young women. They're in their mid twenties, and they're best friends, and they all work at the same magazine in New Ooh, York. Um, it sounds like the Scarlet Carrie Diaries, magazine. but like also the Holy Trinity. Well, the thing is, um, I think. The reason I like it so much is because it's fun. It's very female friendship, mm-hmm. um, empowering, and it's really funny. But I think it's like the more progressive version of Sex in the City because um, because they work in a magazine and one of the, the friends is a writer, they explore a whole bunch of different topics and things. And I think it's a way more inclusive version. Not that we didn't love Sex in the City because it broke a lot of barriers for the time that it came out but as we grow and as we change i think um it's really cool to have another show like that about 20 something women figuring it out but then figuring out you know issues of sexuality and race and representation and different things but in a in a very empathetic and digestible way yeah because i mean yeah no i get that because those topics are really heavy and it is a task to mm-hmm. to give them their due space and time but also not make it super heavy you know what i mean to like it's so hard it's like exploring privilege but make it fashion you know <laughs> ooh <laughs> it's like it's like gucci versus great value and talking about what that means <laughs> it's like dismantling the patriarchy in louis vuitton shoes i like that i like that <laughs> Anyway, it's a really fun show um, if you're looking for something light, but also that might hit you in the feels. I love um, being hit in the feels. So the bold type. Punched right in the feels. <laughs> yeah, you weird Aquarius Taurus mix. <laughs> um, and then my second thing, real quick, real yeah. quick, is I have been reading the In Her Words newsletter from the New York Times, which basically it's just... Um, you know, one of the beats, one of the sections of the New York Times, but it's specifically looking at events and looking at things in our culture with a gender lens and looking at the gender relations of it. So, and it's called In Her Words because it's all looking from the female identifying perspective. Mm, That's interesting. I like that. And they cover, yeah, and they cover all sorts of things. Like I just read one that I sent to you about masculinity and masks. Um. And then I also read one this morning about the self-care industry and that fine line Uh, of mm -hmm. what is taking care of yourself and what is capitalism. I I was about to say, and what is influencer making their money because they have all these Mm -hmm. brands that are asking them to, you know, advertise themselves. Yeah. So those are my things. (laughs) What are you thinking? That weirdly went from like... (laughs) Um, like, oh, I love this show to, yeah, and influencers and self-care. It's a mess. It's a mess. I just think, I just think that it's cool, um, to have a space like that. Yeah. Because the articles are never, you know, aggressive or accusatory. It's just like, hey, here's this thing. I bet if we looked at it from a gendered perspective, Mm -hmm. we'd think about it differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's awesome. That's amazing, which we talk about the importance of space with our guest today. 
and gender. So and gender. Way to go, Kara. So way to we're, all, we're hitting all the marks, Kara. You're so good at this. <laughs> wow. Um, anywho, mm-hmm. um, what are you a big fan of? This well, week? Kara, thank you for asking because there's a lot on my mind. Wow. Let me know. And so with that being said, <laughs> since you did two things, I'm also going to do two things. Yeah. Um, Longer intro. If you've been listening to these episodes, you'll make it through the first you'll make Yeah, you'll make it through. And if you don't, weak. Fake fan. Fake fan. Oh, sorry. oh my gosh, that's what we call our antis. We have our big fans and then our fake. That's not that original, but it's fun. Branding. Okay, wow. Anyway. Really, um, it's okay. Okay, so I... What should I say first? Okay, so it's one of two things, as I said before. The first is a pop cultural moment, and then the other is fully about my psyche. <laughs> Which one do you want it. first? Um, I'll take the pop. You'll take first. the pop. Okay. Well, that being said, Ariana Grande is coming out with her sixth studio album, Positions, which by the time this comes out, will have been out for a few weeks. So I'm hoping we all love it. I'm sure we do. Um, when this is being recorded, the single just dropped. Um, positions, which I am, I love the song so much. I think for me, the song uses a string section so well. Like that is my, Mm. aside from like it being her, the string section is so plucky and drives the song forward so well. I'm obsessed. For those of you who don't know, if I'm a Swifty, he's an Arianator. Arianator, which I don't (laughs) really like that. I don't really like that. Um... Name. He loves Ari. That's all we yeah, know. Yeah, I love Ari. I just, I think that's a really ugly fan name. It's okay. Um, there are better fan names out there. I feel like K-pop groups have great fandom names. Anyway, um, so the album is coming out on Friday, October 30th. Yeah, because Saturday's the Halloween, right? This is Halloween. This yeah, is yeah. Halloween. And so I'm really excited for that. It's going to be amazing and awesome. There are some great features on it. One with Doja Cat on a song called Motive. There was actually a TikTok that recently came out where this guy went through the entire like um, release track list and he gave his idea of what he thought the songs were gonna sound like. And it was hilarious. On Motive, he was like, that's my motive. That's my motive. <laughs> it was so good. Any of y'all, I bet you've heard it, but if you haven't, just like find it. It is so good. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited for this album sixth one third it's like well it's the sixth one overall but the third one in like two and a half years time which yeah, i am she not pumps mad out those jams she does i am not mad at all i'm super happy and excited also the music video for positions was amazing speaking of politics because it was a woman so in power amazing however in a diverse cabinet which and a diverse cabinet important. i love a diverse cabinet you have your goya you have your 21 seasoning salute from Trader Joe's, some everything bagel seasoning. Um, yeah, it's great. Okay, so mm-hmm. that. And then my second thing with my psyche. Last night, I had a freaking, like, odyssey of a dream. And I'm referring to, like, the Iliad. Like, it was an like epic. The it was an epic. And to be honest, I'm not going to be able to tell you every detail. I just remember waking up and feeling like, whoa, I just went through a life's worth of experience. However, this is important to bring up specifically to you because you were in it. Um, And so was your mother. And Christine, Christine. Hi, Christine. Um, And in this dream, Christine was my teacher. 
we were like in high school or like it felt like high school. I don't know. What? I don't know. It was weird. We were like in school and I wish I could tell you what happened, but I did something in your mom's class or there was something that was said and I got in trouble and I was spiteful. I was like, I was like, Christine, really? You know me. You can't do this to me. I've been in your house. I've drank from I've your drank cup. I've drank your wine. Exactly. Exactly. I've drank from your cup. You've offered me freaking Cabernet before. Come on. You can't punish me for this whatever. This is an injustice. Absolutely not. Wow. So that happened. Um, and then there was also this one moment where it was us and a big group of people with some of the girls from Luna, which is a K-pop group, if you all don't know. Um, some of the girls from Luna were, like, in our group, but it was like we were in high school together. Was and Jinsoul and Sherry there? No, it was, well, maybe. All I know is that we were going somewhere for, like, a field trip. I don't know what it was. We arrived to this place, and two adults that were with us started making fun of these people and mocking them. And everyone in our group was being kind of complicit about it. And it was infuriating me. See something, say something. Yeah, exactly. But because this is how I am and I'm stupid, I Mm -hmm. decided to (laughs) get in everyone's faces about it Uh by by essentially reenacting the injustice upon someone in our group. And, And being like, oh, is this okay? And so I literally get in Olivia High's face. She's a girl from Luna. I literally We've am, established that. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just well, yeah, okay. She she's like dancing and I'm like, blah 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 blah. You're acting like such a whore. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> blah 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 blah. And then everyone in the group gets pissed. They're like, what the fuck, man? Like, what the fuck was that about? And I'm like, y'all are doing the same thing right now. If you're gonna have that energy with me, have that energy with them. I didn't even mean that. You know I love Olivia. Best friends, big fan of egoist, classic song in the K-pop songbook. And I was pissed. Wow. What and Daniela was there. Mean? Daniela, our what? social media yeah, director. And she, deadass, was like, Austin, you're canceled. You called a woman a whore. So you're anti-feminist <gasps> is what I'm hearing. And I was like, no. Do you all not get the point here? This is, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than us. Now go fight those men. Go fight them. Go punch them in the face. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. There's a lot going on. Wow, should we unpack this? Go ahead. What do you see? This is what I see. I see, <laughs> I see stress. <laughs> I see stress. I see you maybe questioning your own opinions or your own like perspectives, you know, which can be healthy, you know, to question every so often just to recheck. But I think this this dream, um, because you got punished by an authority figure, my mother, and because you were surrounded by what you thought were friends who may have been doing something wrong. I think I think maybe just internally you should just do a checkup and be like, Are you okay? Am I surrounding myself with the right people? And am I fully like good with the things that I stand for? I don't know. Was that too much? That was that was fantastic. I feel like I just got a reading and I didn't even have to pay for it. You're welcome. A dream read. That's Kara's specialty, y'all. Follow her on Instagram and she'll do one for you. Don't feed Slide into her DMs. No, that's what you do, right? You can slide into my DMs, but I'm not going to be able to give you dream advice because I no. know nothing. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um. Anyway, wow. Wow. This was, We've this went was into quite, a lot. 
this is quite an intro, but there were highs, there were lows. There were dreams. And there were... Pop icons. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. there we go. You, I wasn't <laughs> going to let you miss it. It's, I mean, it goes without saying. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, You got my back. Um, I do. Unlike Olivia. <gasps> oh my God. Olivia, I didn't do it on purpose. I was making a point. You know I love you. <laughs> anyway, but speaking of pop icons pop um the biggest pop monster the biggest pop yeah not even that he's a fan of pop pop icons you're right he is a pop icon icon. in and of himself um we're so excited to bring you this conversation with ryan J. j moore oh my goodness hi ryan Welcome to Big Welcome. Fan. We're so excited to have you. Oh my god. I'm like so unbelievably excited <laughs> to be here. I like feel yeah. it's like such an honor to be sitting in front of you two on this on this laptop right now. Absolutely. And it's an honor that you were like, yeah, let's talk, bitches. Let's get into it. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for working with my crazy ass <gasps> motherfucking schedule because well, so I mean busy. busy girls are busy girls. Busy girls. And um I'm glad that we made it work out. Yeah, no, we are too. So yeah, once again, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just like really quick, just for all those people out there that are hearing this voice and being like, who is this bitch? Tell us who you are, <laughs> what you like, what what you be, what you do. Hi, guys. Hi. Yes. So hi. <laughs> Hello. My name is Ryan J. Moore. Um, I go by he, him, his pronouns. And I am amazing. I'm like, how do I describe myself? Right now, I am a senior at the University of Michigan. I study theater arts um, with a concentration in costume design and a minor in dance. I love to perform. I'm a musical theater artist. Um, I've been doing theater since I was about in like the fourth grade. It's been a long journey. Um, and I'm also uh, gay as fuck and love to just like... <laughs> really? Are you? You know, I'm actually questioning. Surprise. I'm just like unsure. Your question. Um, <laughs> you're you're like thinking about it. You're like, mm, I don't know. You know, I'm pondering the idea of having sex with other men, and um, you know, I just there it is. You know, <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely very um, interested in LGBTQ plus rights and and activism. There it is. And, um, as we all should be. As we all need to be. I'm, like, shocked when people are, like, not interested in gay rights. I'm, like, let's unpack yeah. that and talk about why you don't like that because I don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, it doesn't even need to be, like, they don't – obviously, if they don't like it, that's its own issue. But if they're not – if it's someone that's, like, yeah, eh, I could take it or leave it, I'm, like, um – I like, you should you – should you should have a stronger opinion than that. Like – than that you i want something that yeah um i like like i, I would at least like a, a love is love like from you you know <laughs> it's like that thing when people like are, when people are like you know i support gay people but like i just don't want to see it or i don't don't, don't want to like, see it oh my god do it at home i i i've heard a lot of people being like i like i love my gay friends and i support gay people 100 percent, but i just don't support gay marriage i'm like then what are you doing? Like, what do you mean you're supporting them? How yeah, are you supporting them? Do you not them? want your friends to be able to get married? Like, I You don't, don't want to go to their wedding? Do you want your friends to feel like they are a part of a larger community 
in the United States or, all, or just like around the world where the right to marry is such a basic thing that like makes us all feel like we are a part of a common culture. And so mm-hmm. to take that away from someone is literally to say, no, you're not a part of us. You're not a part of this, which is the, bi- which is the problem. Yeah. yeah. We really just like, wow. we that got in beginning. there. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. We're, yeah. 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 Like, Let's start with Lady Gaga. No, we're running. We're running marriage. We're running in. <laughs> we're running into the fire. The fires of queer hell, as some bigots would say. Yes. Um, so with that, um, as a queer person. Hold on. I'm not done like... talking about myself yet. Give me one more moment. Oh, okay. I was, about, <laughs> I was about to be like, tell us more about your, your queerness. Yeah, so I guess you you, you knew what I was going to well, say. Well, I just like wanted to continue introducing myself for the people at home who are listening to this. Um, yeah. And who are, uh, you know, not seeing me face to face that I'm also just like, um, I, I, I am a non-binary individual and like I... Um, like expressing myself in a multiplicity of genders that go beyond just male and female. Um, although I do identify as male and use he, him pronouns, I, um, have explored gender in a lot of different ways and I love, um, Mm -hmm. you know, makeup and drag expression and like, um, you know, my voice is really high. And, and so a lot of people like when I, I just say that because it's a literal podcast and I've been like, people are going to listen to this voice. And they're gonna be like, who's talking? Um, and like, who's this missus? Who is this miss? Who is this ma'am? Who is she? And yeah. I'm just like reclaiming my high octave voice and telling you that, um, just because I have a high voice or because I sound like someone who is, female identified does not mean that that is my truth and nor does it mean Mm -hmm. that that should be or can be anyone else's truth everyone is valid period of course um and i just wanted to like give the people at home that little tidbit about me as well because i think that that's important to me um yeah absolutely make sure people know um my gender yes and thank you so much for like going into that because i that is that is such an integral part of like our i'm gonna call it new age understanding it's 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 kind of sad that it's you know been a long journey to like talking about those sorts of things but like i'm just thankful that we're here now and that like even i remember the first time i saw like pronouns in like a like a collegiate email from a professor and like as someone that does identify as a cisgender male um like I think that's that's so important because even though i live my day-to-day life in a way that's like i'm always already like the baseline understanding of like oh he's he's validated through these pronouns i i i want people around me those that i love that are not living in the same experience as me to feel like they are a part and so to have pronouns mentioned by people in power professors you know like even like work applications like when they say how do you identify Mm -hmm. i think that's so important and amazing and the fact that it's coming to be a greater part of our cultural conversation is so amazing and important so thank you ryan for bringing that to our podcast today because you are so right that is so important and i think from now on we should actually just like make sure our guests say that i I think that's a really good idea i like that a lot thank you absolutely and and with that, I mean, now we know you as somebody who just flourishes in exactly who they are and um, and what they want in life. But starting more towards the beginning of your journey, you know, from when you were discovering maybe your difference in the world till now, what was that journey like? And were there 
certain um, milestones that were really important in that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking that. Um, I'm, milestones is like a word that I'm going to keep um, in my brain. To answer <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. That was a good prompt, Kara. Yeah. That's actually a really interesting way to think about it because it's always like, what's the coming out story? But milestones really makes you think about like the, this happened and this happened and this happened that, and life is not just a, you come out and then you you move forward. It's not that simple. So. I mean, in my, you know, little straight girl understanding, coming out <laughs> is just the beginning. And so I don't want you to have to talk about that if you don't want to. Like, what's important to you? Yeah. Um, that's so, I love that question. And, um, you know, it's funny because now that I am, I'm 21 years old and um, I think I've known who I am. I've been for a very long time. Um, I've always, not always been comfortable in my body, but I've always been like accepting of my body, regardless of who's judging it or not. Um, even if it's myself judging my body, I'm still like, there's a dichotomy in my brain ever since I was younger where it's been like, I'm still like, I might, I feel fat or I feel like, you know, invalid in some way. Um, and, and reminding myself like that that is just um, societal expectations being pushed on me and it's like you know how do I live in a world where I'm like feeling self-doubt from you know my femininity and my body or all of those things that were frequently judged on as well as like at the same time I'm being like okay but you are that bitch and you love yourself and like all of those things. I don't know. That was a little tangent. Um, but no, but I think that's important that you can, you can have like a foundation of self-love, but still it's like a daily presence thing where you're like, I don't really like myself today, but I like myself always kind of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. That's like, yeah, that was what I was trying to get at. And, um, I, I, I look back now, um, as a 21, 21 year old on my whole life since I was born and I've just kind of recognized now, um, that there was behavior from when I was a child that was always good. Like I've always been this person. (laughs) Me. Yes. Um, and at that time I had no contact. I had no idea, um, and no context what it means. for what that meant. Uh, exactly. I yeah. I um, look back on my on my childhood, and I remember. Um, I mean, I was always playing with Barbies, um, and like same. Oh my ex. god, my freaking like I had a cousin, and she had Polly Pockets, oh and god. I was like, oh, my, and I was like, oh my god, you can take this bitch's clothes off in a snap yes. and put on a new dude. Oh. I was dead ass so obsessed with that, but I remember like being in her room and like. I would find a way to be like, I want to play with her, despite the like the the cliche that I should be playing with boys. Um, but I'd be like, yeah, let's like play together, because you know what? I want to like like let's break that boundary. Like I need to cross the bridge to the other side. And so it would be okay that I'm playing with her. But then as soon as an adult walked in the room, if I had like a toy in my hand that was like a girly toy, Austin dropped that bitch. Like, which was kind of yeah, sad. Was it, but was it that like... subconscious or conscious? Yeah. Well, it was it was an understanding. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like boys. That, which is an understanding that is instilled in you. That's not just, obviously, it's arbitrary and it doesn't fucking matter because gender is arbitrary. Let's just stay start there. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, it was a self-consciousness and obviously it's a self-consciousness that comes from the stereotype that femininity is weakness, which is obviously highly untrue. And, you know, as you grow up, as you go along, especially in with our generation, like we are seeing such a revolution in the power of femininity and womanhood and all these things. But like back then, that wasn't necessarily true. Like I fully, not to put my parentals on the spot but like i mean i grew up in a household where it was like no like men are men are the leaders men are men are stronger that is just baseline truth um that's how it is and like women would say that you know what i mean it would be women saying like i'm only capable of doing so much and they were like okay with that and it was and it's always been so confusing to me that sort of gender role notion but it is what it is you know and ryan did you feel similar like in childhood with the dolls and like the gender roles and that sort of thing yeah i i my mom i I had a very supportive mother um she still is um you know not past tense very present tense um i adore her (laughs) she's very alive she's She's very breathing so so oxygenated and like just like i love that um I love it for her too. Oh, she's a legend to me. Um, and she always was like endorsing or maybe not endorsing, but she was just always like, let him live his dream. Like if he wants to play mm-hmm. with a Barbie doll oh. or like, I was always like getting that, uh, happy meal at McDonald's. And I was always asking for the women's toy, the girl, for the toy. girl toy. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Wait. Also just like randomly. Why? I never thought about it, but like the ways in which society instills the binary, McDonald's was a part of that. What the fuck? McDonald's was literally like, we are giving you gender. Like we are. <laughs> we are. We're serving it up on a plate next to fucking nuggets. Yes. And you're literally. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad that we like, we both have that like experience. Like this is a shared experience. Yeah. Gay people to be like, and it was always like, give me that girl like, toy. Like, yeah. It was really just setting me up to have tons and tons of wigs when I got older. That's a milestone Barbie. Milestone is Barbie teaching me that I love playing with hair and women's hair. And so now I'm a drag queen um, because of Barbie. But I, I felt like... When I was, like I was saying, when I was younger, I feel like I didn't know what gender, uh, sexuality was really at all. Mm-hmm. I just, I was attracted to women. None of us did. No one did. <gasps> Me too. Was Weren't we all? Yes. I was like, well, these ladies are gorgeous. I was like, all of these ladies Same. are so beautiful. Like, I love them so much. Ryan, and I you are kiss cracking them. me up right now because you are speaking to my experience exactly. I'm like, oh yeah, I think she's pretty. I guess that means we're going to get married and we're going to have sex one day when I learned what that was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I remember like kissing a girl for the very first time when I was like Same. in first grade and like uh, her name was Rebecca and she she knows who she is. Like, Oh, she does. She, hey, Becky. Talk? Well, we don't talk anymore, but like she and she, she knows was, like, who she is. She was my elementary school sweetheart. We both had crushes on each other, and um, that's why I I hate when people try to devalue the experience of gay people who have had like straight feelings, like oh, heterosexual, like the gold feelings. star gay thing. Yeah, they're like, um, you've been because I have been gay since I was born. It is something that I was born with, but that doesn't mean that I knew what being gay was ever since I was literally conceived. Yeah, and of course. So I definitely felt like. I was like on that journey experiencing attraction to women um, until 
I mean, like my whole thing too was in elementary school. I was like I was saying earlier, I have a really high voice, and so everyone called me um, "girl in a boy's body" was my nickname. I was like, "That's a really long ass nickname." I was about to say that's yeah, not, that has no work. snap to it. <laughs> that has no like biting nature to it. So try harder next time, y'all. Elementary I could run away kids. before you finish calling me that. <laughs> I literally yeah. run. <laughs> yeah, like. That they're not creative. Elementary school kids do better. Um, we're judging you for your nicknames. But I, so yeah. I also like just, I was more so, there was two tire swings at my elementary school and there was like the boys tire swing and the girls tire swing. And I was always like, I was always trying to go on the girls tire swing, but then they would be like, you can't be on our tire swing. This is the girls tire swing. And you said, why the fuck not? And I was like, but I don't like the boys because they don't like me. Like the boys just straight up bully me. So I'm <sighs> going to be here with the girls. And then the girls were like, well, this is a girl thing. And so then I would just go on my own and like swing on the regular Ugh. ass swings, not the tire swing. God. Which was fine. And like, I learned through like that, that. I, like, am okay with being alone, and, like, I'm okay with, like, I don't know, I always just have always been beating to the sound of my own drum. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, like, things like the tire swings and things like that, now, like, talking about queer spaces and queer visibility is so much, I think only in the last, like, two or three years has been a part of popular culture and, like, media culture. So, in your opinion, like, what is the importance of having queer spaces being accessible and staying accessible accessible Ooh, she can't speak um and now because you've experienced things like the tire swing like why is it important to not have those spaces as well oh my gosh i mean that there's it's it's validating to see like that there's someone like you that exists when you know you are living in a world where you know children are children they they don't necessarily understand concepts of gender and of um sexuality nor should they um and and they're they're kids they don't need to be stressing about you know the gender and sexuality at that age mm-hmm. but until and fitting into a mold and fitting into a mold and and that's the problem is that when you don't have these spaces people children feel like they need to fit into this yeah. role because that's all that they're being shown. Yeah. Now, it's the heteronormativity absolutely. that like sparks the need for queer spaces. You know what I mean? If heteronormativity wasn't the the end all be all of what we experience day in and day out, there would be no technical need for the idea of a queer space because th- there would be no, you know what I mean? It, it would be everything. There, everything would be is queer. for everyone. Everything would be you know everything would be like egalitarian essentially in the sense of like i am represented here i feel safe here um there's no issue but sadly that's not the case and so that's absolutely uh i have um you know quite a few friends who use they them pronouns and just have had discussions with them about space, um, their space, the space that they take up in society and, you know, getting misgendered. Um, and I, I use my pronouns because I do get misgendered. Like I get misgendered frequently, even though I am using he, him pronouns, which is what I was born with. And I am a cisgender male. I still am frequently called by she, her pronouns. And so for me, it's like even just, 
being a non I am non-binary in a way that I express my gender in a multiplicity of ways. And so letting people know for me it's two things. It's it's letting people know the gender that are, are pronouns that I use and then two, opening up that space for, you know, people who don't feel comfortable necessarily to say their pronouns can now hopefully feel comfortable in expressing their pronouns because someone else has already done it before them. And also, to me, it's powerful to be a person like me who has a higher voice, who, you know, walks with um, some pep in his step. I like stiletto heels. I like to strut down the hall. I like, you know... Um, you like the clomp clomp of those those wedges. Oh, I love sis. Never a wedge. Never oh, a wedge. Sorry, my bad. Not Never here. a wedge. How dare you? You were just in Legally Blonde the musical. That's all Elwood's ever wears. She's in Stilettos, girl. Elwood's okay, would never wear a wedge. Brush never? up on your legally sorry. blonde. <laughs> see, this is not see, here. Like, Reese is my uh, idol. Get out. Okay, yes, yeah. <laughs> I like Laura Bell Bundy, excuse me. Everybody, that's okay. She's a queen. Um, she is. Anyway. Anyways, I just feel like I am in a space where I um, wear makeup. I wear women's clothing. Um, and so I, um, whenever I say my pronouns, I'm saying to people, you can wear makeup. You can wear women's clothing and still be a man. You, because, you know, we live in a binary society where people look at me in makeup and in heels and in just what I like to wear, and they automatically suspect that I'm transgender um, yeah. because that's how I'm presenting. Meanwhile, it's like, all re- it's the assumptions. Everyone is assuming things about other yeah. people, and they're assuming that because I look like I was born a male and I look like I am now dressing up as a feminine figure. They think that I am trying to be a woman. Yeah. um, And I think it probably comes from a good place in them. You know what I mean? Like this, this, like they, they, they're trying to see a person that is not normative essentially. Um, and that, you think at, you... that as a base act is good, but like you are doing a different type of work, Ryan, where it's, mm-hmm. you are, you are saying, no, someone doesn't even have to be a trans individual to perform in ways that challenge their, their born given gender. You know what I mean? And I, that's a different type of work. So I think it's just, it's, it's adding another layer to the conversation um, because it, it, it's slowly becoming seemingly that even like trans identities are like falling into like a very um, basic like understanding. Like it's becoming this like third thing and still once again, not leaving room for like variability. Yeah. I just think that um, it's like, I see videos sometimes online of like drag queens interacting with children and children just being like, what are you doing? Like, why are you a man putting makeup on and the drag queen being like, well, why can't I like what makeup is for everyone? Like it doesn't, you know, mean anything about gender specifically. And then the kids just being like, Oh, cool. Like you look great. And it's like, you don't, you aren't, you are taught to Mm -hmm. not like something you are taught to 
hate. You are taught about prejudice. Um, and so by having queer spaces and allowing, you know, cause we haven't had queer spaces before, like you said, it's been within the past two, three years that we've, you know, saw an uptick of gay people and queer individuals, um, having space in mainstream media to showcase their talent and showcase um, their identities to the world and kind of show like, you don't have to be what people are telling you you have to be. You can be whatever you want to be, regardless of who you are. If you're a woman, if you're a person of color, if you're a gay boy, if like, you know, it doesn't matter. Just like express yourself. um, However, you know, you feel is right for you. And like, yeah, it's good. It's important because I think that now there are little kids who are being able to express themselves in ways that they didn't have vocabulary to before, because I feel like we've also lived in, in this binary society. We teach children about heterosexuality, but not about homosexuality so that they also only think that there is this one thing that exists, but You know, I think we, you know, it's the reason for um, a bunch of conservative people being like, well, I don't want my kid knowing about um, gay things because it'll make them gay. It's it won't make them gay. It will just show them that it is okay to be gay and that if they want to be gay, not want, but if they they are are gay and 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 they want to, you know, come out with it, that that's okay um, and that's allowed and that is you know, an experience that is valid. And I I think personally, like um, even despite the idea of if a child is like born gay, which is the very popular thought. And I'm one that does think that as well. Let's also just talk about how, even if that was not necessarily true, does that give us the right to still be prejudiced towards people? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it matters at all whether or not someone should chooses to partake in an activity that literally involves nobody else <laughs> that does not involve the the downfall of society as we know it like it does not matter and it would not be anyone's business regardless so i i, I just kind of want to add that take to the table um as a option to think about because i think that is a little bit more radical um as opposed to the the very like delicate born this way statement but i'm just like you wish you shouldn't be awful to anyone despite that just me yeah period um and i was gonna say you were talking about like express like expression and expressing yourself and like finding what forms of expression are most true to you um well how i met you was through the theater department at florida state university and so theater is a art form that is near and dear to your heart it is something that clearly has attracted you enough to you know lead you to pursue it in as a degree um why what about the art form attracts you so much like why do you love theater in like a certain sense it's like because i've been doing it for so long Mm -hmm. that i just like it's like what i know um but it's also like why have i come back and like repeatedly doing it over over and over and over again and you know i think that theater in my life has changed a lot since I've begun studying it because prior it was like a hobby and um, it was something that I loved so much. I was always listening to musicals and always like, I loved the stories. I loved the sounds. I loved um, watching 
men dance. Um, oh, I just like as as someone who I was never like um, put into theater and dance as like a serious thing, which like all of a, a bunch of the people at Michigan have been like on Broadway. So yeah, I was gonna like, say Michigan kids. is it's it's that school with me for it's musical intense. theater. Like everyone knows it as that school. It's produced so many people. Yeah. It has and um I think for good reason and, and like we have a great program. But I've just like I that wasn't my journey. Mm-hmm. I was in I was just doing it as a hobby. Like I was just like this is something that I'm gonna do after school instead of soccer because mm-hmm. that's what Yeah, my yeah. You didn't li- like instead. live, breathe and sleep it, you know? Right. And um it wasn't until but it was always something that I was watching and I was just like <gasps> star star like speechless just like the 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 ability of these performers to dance like I've always been so enamored with uh ballet and um technique and and with the um amount of stamina that these performers have to sing and dance and act all at the same time and it was like my senior year of high school I had kind of written off theater as something that I didn't want to study. I was like, it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not something that is going to, you know, give me money. I know I love to live in luxury. So I was like, I want to have a career Calvin's. that will sustain that. In my Calvin's, I need to like be in my Calvin's And you can't always. do that just working at the Star, Star Light Diner or whatever it is. What's it called? I don't know. Um... Yeah, Ellen Stardust. Stardust. Sorry, something about the stars, the heavens, the universe. Stars, of course. I just like, you know, was like, that's something that I don't think can happen for me. I was like, I don't see it in my future. And then I remember, um, it's funny because I'm in Newsies right now, but I went to go see Newsies when it came out in theaters. And I was bawling my eyes out the whole two hours. I was just. You were like Jeremy Jordan. Fuck. Jeremy Jordan. Ah! It wasn't even the story. It wasn't the story. It wasn't like, because Newsies is great, but I'm like, it's not, it's about striking and news. Like, it's not something that I necessarily relate to heavily, but it was just the men, like Mm -hmm. the ensemble and the power that these individuals, these men had in a space that to me felt like something that was always meant for women, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, ballet and dance and... Um, which is obviously not true, and I've come to, you know, yeah. learn how that's not true. But when I was growing up, I was always just like, it's. I was surrounded by women always in the, in a dance space. Yeah, that's interesting. It also brings up um, this interesting question in my head of um, you talking about seeing the men in Newsies and having it be such a comfort and such an awakening because you're like, oh wow, like this is men on stage dancing doing something that was deemed as female before um but i'm really interested in the fact at least what i've seen in theater and a lot of uh commercial musical theater all the male roles seem to be like masculine and cisgender despite this theater space being um popularly known as a queer space because a lot of queer people do theater um what do you think of that and um have you had any experiences in that in musical theater and theater in general well Kara, uh-huh. since you asked, I would love to tell you all about it. Spill <laughs> that tea for me. 
I was like, literally, that's what I was about to start like oh, preaching amazing. on. Okay, good, good, good. Is that I feel like now I'm a senior now. Oh, she's grown up. I, I, she's I, a big I, girl. I hate it. I'm like, what am I going to do when I graduate? I don't know, uh. but. I've been like, I don't think I want to do theater anymore. Like, honestly, I've been really frustrated with theater um, and the theater space because when I was in high school um, and it was like this hobby that I was doing, I was a chorus boy. Like, they always put me in the ensemble because mm-hmm. I was a dancer and I'm tall and I have long legs. Um, oh, yes, yes, you do. Legs for days. Yes, like, you can and you always face, show so. them off. I remember seeing you walk around school when we were on the same campus, and I see them shorts, and I'm like, "Oh, those legs are Ryan's. Those Birkenstocks <laughs> are his. That's Mr. Moore. <laughs> That's him. Those stocks can kick his face." <laughs> yes, I, I. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, but I felt like. I always loved it. I was like, I'm in the ensemble, like I'm dancing and I love to dance and I love to be like, I don't know. I was like, it's a lot less pressure than when you have a lead and you have all these lines to memorize and all this stuff. But now I came to school, I came to Michigan and I was cast, we were doing Legally Blonde and I was cast well, okay. So we were doing Legally Blonde and I, it was my first semester that I came here and so I was kind of just like scared and like, I didn't, it's the university of Michigan. So I was like, there are crazy, insanely talented people here. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, if I'm going to get into the show, but I, I want to do it. And it's, it was a student run organization, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean that it was any less pressure. It was honestly, I think auditioning in front of your peers is a lot more difficult than, um, auditioning in front of people who are, you know, older than you and who are kind of above you yeah um and i i went into that room and i was like there's no role in this show for me other than a sorority girl like i can't be anything other than unless you want me to be like the gay or european guys but they're um ethnic and i was gonna say one of them's latino i was like so i Mm -hmm. don't really that's not my space to even play that role so I went into this room, into the audition room, and I wrote on my little sheet, like, what role are you interested in? And I was like, sorority girl. And I put that shit on my paper, and I went into the room, and I sang Proud of Your Boy from Aladdin, and I switched all of the pronouns to Proud of Your Girl, and I made it, like, Oh, my uh, God, that's iconic. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, well, there was a lot of self-doubt in that decision because I was like, I don't know if this is something that, like, you know, I don't want to be problematic in any way. And I also was like, these people don't know me. Like, I'm literally a brand new transfer student at this school and nobody really knows who I am. So are they going to be like, who's this weird kid coming in and, like, kind of trying to split the script a little bit? Um, But, and I put on, like, this big pink furry coat and like my pink i was like i am elle woods oh i sprayed god. perfume on my little like um oh, resume god. you're <laughs> like, literally magical scented thank you i'm like ah, <laughs> no it's just so um, amazing i'm just like imagining this moment and it's just so like cinematic and epic but keep going yeah and i um 
I fully thought I was auditioning for that role um, in drag. Like, I, I didn't enter the audition room in drag, but I got a call back the next day for um, the Greek chorus, which is the sorority girls, and Paulette. And so when I got that call back, I was thinking, like, okay, so they want me in drag. Like, I'm going to be, you know, doing drag performance, um, which I love to do mm-hmm. on stage, especially in theater. I'm like, put me in drag on stage, and I, yeah. I love that. Um, and then, um, and I, well, I did the audition in drag, and then they cast me as Pilar, who is one of the two sorority girls who are Elle's best friends. Yeah. Um, in the show, and they kind of are like not the narrators, but they they're the Greek chorus through. They're the Greek chorus. Yeah. Um, and when we were. In the first meeting of Legally Blonde, I asked the direct. Well, the costume director came in and she was showing us the design renderings, and my costume was um, male identifying, and like it was just me. Like it, they didn't have me in, in a wig, they didn't have me in anything. It was just like me drawn on the page with like these cute little booty shorts and like a button-down vest, um, and I was like. Bruna, who's a director, I was like, Bruna, um, so what am I in this show? Like, who, who am I? What is my, you know, gender? Like, am I going to be a sorority girl? Am I, uh, am I, you know, what am I? And she was like, I want you to be yourself. I want you to be you on stage because there's no reason that this person who's Pilar, who is normally a woman, should not be a man like mm-hmm. other if you proved yourself in the audition room that you can do it and so there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to just because of the fact that it's a sorority and that they're all supposed to be girls like that doesn't you know they were like it doesn't matter and that was the first time that I was able to ever be someone um on stage that felt like my own identity yeah and going back to what you were talking to us about earlier is that that character was like male identifying but had all female friends and was like very feminine and expressive even though like they were still male and like that can happen like that can that exists exist that is a person there are many people like yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah and it made me recognize that i should never ever ever have to um be someone that I'm not when it comes to being on stage. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's a certain, you know, it's acting like you're always, it's theater, you're acting, you're putting on a role and you're not, you don't necessarily play yourself in every single character that you do, but it made me recognize that I don't have to be a straight man. Mm -hmm. Like I, cause I can play, there are gay people and you know, um, there are a multiplicity of gay identities. Mm -hmm. Like there's, we think that there's a gay stereotype and that was, kind of what I was playing in Legally Blonde was the gay stereotype because that is how I identify. I'm more of the stereotypical gay male. But, you know, it made me just kind of recognize, like, why am I allowing people who write these stories to tell me and dictate what story is being told by Mm -hmm. the genders of the characters? Um, And so to answer your question, I think that... um, theater has been very disappointing. Um, the theater world has been very disappointing in the fact that we have always been a very queer space. Um, and Broadway has always, you know, lent itself to 
gay performers and gay directors and gay men, you know, in general, just run the theater scene, um, specifically white gay men, um, yeah. mm-hmm. as well. And, um, it's bizarre to me that the narratives that are explored in these shows are all heteronormative. So limited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In their scope. The reason being is because of money. Mm-hmm. And it has everything to do to- with money. Yeah, make it so that their shows sell and they know that, you know, the heteronormative audience loves their heteronormative romance. Um, And and they're scared, I think, to allow for um, other identities to come through this medium because they're afraid of losing money. And I think that that's disgusting. And I think that the importance of art and the beauty of art to me is exploring identity and exploring your own individual identity as an artist, as I think that in any medium, whether it be theater, whether it be film and television, whether it be visual art, whether it be um, creative writing, it's all about the artist and what the artist is trying to say to their audience about the artist's experience and the artist's hardships that they've gone through. We just are so stuck in a place where we are trying to label everyone in a way and whether it be like you are a woman of color you play xyz role that woman of color plays everyone is being put in a niche Mm -hmm. that i don't think um is fair and so in my in my future work in theater what i am hoping to do um when I graduate is to take scripts that um, are very heteronormative, that are stories that we've heard, been told over and over and over again and cast random people in random roles and say, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like disregard the gender and the sexuality of the person that you're playing. You're playing it as if it was a woman who's a straight woman. You're now playing the role as a straight male and you're going to see what that what character happens. feels like to play as your identity because I, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I think, no, I agree. And I think one thing that people often say is like, it's usually used in context in a context where they're like trying to defend, like, why does like, why can't I necessarily play a black character? It's all about like me learning their experience. And what I think that you're twisting on that in the best way possible is like, you're taking it in these, in this direction. That's like saying, okay, you want to say that? Okay, fine. Let's do it. Let's do it in these areas that you seem to be like completely leaving out. Like you're not you're not willing to like play a woman, but you're willing to like take over a black man's space or like mm-hmm. um like a woman of color right. space. And I just think that's that's a really interesting way to like combat like a comment such as that, which by the way, I don't know if y'all are theater people listening, but that happens a lot. <laughs> well, it kind of reminds me it goes back to like Especially in the film industry and like more mainstream film, like straight men playing gay men. And it's like until there's just as many opportunities for a gay man to play a straight man, then why are we doing that? It's like if like Austin is saying, if we want to say that, okay, if the role is not informed by X, Y and Z and anybody can play it, then it should go both ways. It's like false exploration. It's not like fully exploring. And can I say, can I add to that is that. It's so important for those black individuals and those Latino individuals and 
Asian individuals and gay individuals to tell their story. It is mm-hmm. when you are um, white people are wanting to play historically black roles. That's not your place at all. I'm talking about like if there was a show that like it's not about race at all. It's not about sexuality at all. It is just a story of people who exist in the same universe and who are trying to interact with one another and flipping the script on on those characters that are mm-hmm. not based in reality, that are not based um, culturally in a center that is for those spaces and those voices specifically, mm-hmm. um, because there mm-hmm. are roles that you need to have a person of color playing because yes. that is their story. Absolutely. Yeah, we can't just like appropriate each other's <laughs> stories. But but no, I do see what you're saying is that when the role is not informed by that, then why sh- shouldn't anybody be able to play it? Yeah, and because I, I think that I. I was trying to think, like, well, Ryan, like, would you feel okay if um, there was a straight person playing a gay character in a story, in a movie or a film or TV or anything that was not necessarily about being gay? It was just, like, this person mm-hmm. is in a gay relationship with another person and the story is, like, I don't know, it's, like, a murder mystery or something or it's, like, about superheroes and it's just, like, that person is gay. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be okay to me but I also am thinking it's not going to be okay to me until like you said there mm-hmm. are an abundance of opportunities for gay people to play gay roles mm-hmm. because right now it's like there's no opportunities for gay characters yeah. there's not many being written mm-hmm. so or there is it, one it's not written, that they're not being written it's that they're just not being greenlit greenlit you know what i mean like that's what it is like there's so many and not to like you know toot my own horn but like i write (laughs) i write queer characters all the time like that's what i write that's what i like to write and for a long time i was feeling that um sense of exclusion from the industry and i was like and it manifested in a way that was like, oh my God, I feel so bad because all I ever want to write about is gay characters and like the humanity is bigger than that. And I just need to be writing for like everyone when really all I was saying to myself is like, Austin, you need to be writing about straight white people. That's and and I had to like fully mm-hmm. come full circle with myself um, to this point where it was like, no, but like I'm impassioned to write queer characters. Like they interest me. Like that is what I want to write. And so they're there. It's just that people are not letting them go forward because they don't believe that they'll sell. Once again, money. Sorry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Once again, money. Um, (laughs) No, exactly. I I agree 110%. Um, But really quickly, I do want to get this question in because something that Austin and I really wanted your opinion about um, and something that we're interested in talking with you about. Um, Because we've been talking about... um, people in the LGBTQ community experiencing prejudice from people outside of it. Um, But especially in talking about this theater space and talking about queer spaces in general, we were really curious to see if you've experienced homophobia within the community, especially as somebody who has a higher voice, who expresses their femininity freely. Um, Have you experienced that? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of actually um, the most like heartbreaking thing about being a gay person is the lack of support that comes from the community itself. And I think that, um, I mean, like, I think that there's definitely a lot of people that are trying to change that. And um, I'll speak specifically on, let me, let me start by prefacing that, like, I recognized that I was gay when I was 13 or no, I was 14 years old. I had just turned 14. Um, and I was a freshman in high school. Um, it was September of my freshman year. So I just entered high school and, um, my whole thing has, I promise this will answer the question, but I'm kind of like skirting. No, go, do, do what you need to do. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I've always kind of, um, which I think you kind of touched on a little bit earlier is that I've always kind of, um, loved myself and I've told myself that I'm valid in um, whatever decisions that I make, whether they be um, non-binary, whether they be masculine, whether they be feminine. Um, and it was never a question to me, like, either. Like, I've always just kind of been like, I want to wear this, so I'm going to wear it. Um, and I, I started to express myself in more feminine ways um, when I went to, when I went to Florida State University, um, and when I had graduated high school and that was when I really started to feel any form of prejudice or like people didn't like my identity was when I had gone South. Um, cause growing up in, in Westchester, New York, I had a really supportive family and, um, and, and my high school was, supportive um no one really like bullied me for being gay um I mean there was there was a very small gay community but no one ever bullied me for it um which I'm very thankful for and I have a very I'm very grateful for my experience there however when I went to Florida I experienced like just the craziest amount of hate um, and it shocked me to my core. Um, I, I had never experienced anything like it. Um, and I have heard, I had heard of it. I have heard that, that people were hateful and I had heard that people, um, you know, in the South were homophobic, um, of course, but I didn't expect it from the community itself, um, and the gay men. Uh, in Tallahassee, Florida, um, it was, it is, a, I don't know if, uh, you care, I have heard of the, the term mask for mask before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was that, that community yeah. it was mask for mask mm -hmm. and which if you're not familiar is, uh, masculine for masculine. It's something that gay men will put on. Uh, their dating profile, whether it be Grindr or Tinder um, or Hinge or any of those apps, they are advertising basically that they are not interested in individuals who um, express themselves in ways that are not masculine. Um, and they also, people like that are usually will say like no fats, no, no fans, no Asians, no blacks, no Asians, no black Ugh. people. Um, and 
it's, 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 I'm like literally trying not to literally gag because I'm just disgusted with that form of internalized homophobia where these individuals felt like femininity was considered weakness in the gay community. And, um, I remember going to 926 was the gay club, uh, in Tallahassee. And I am an individual, like I said, who puts makeup on and wears heels and likes to, you know, put on crazy outfits. And I talked about Lady Gaga and my obsession with her a little bit, but, um, she inspires me so much to just like be myself and to wear whatever I want and to be whoever I want. And when I was at like at that bar or, you know, around the community, the gay community, they would always bash me for what I was wearing and for my voice and for being um, different than them and for not being masculine. They would always be like, no one wanted to talk to me and they would always bully me. They'd be like, what are you wearing? Like, you look ugly. You look horrible. Like they just blatantly rude, horrible, mean things, nothing nice to Mm -hmm. say. And I also was like, I've been single my whole life. I've never, I've never dated anyone. Um, and I've always wanted to, but it's in my experience, people have not been open to, me and my identity in a, a romantic sense because um, from this mask for mask perspective they are saying basically I'm a man who likes men and so I like masculinity and if I wanted someone who was feminine then I would just date a woman um, and that is obviously extremely ignorant to the fact that gender and sex are two completely different things. Sex is mm-hmm. what you are um, assigned at birth by your literal genitals. If you have a penis, you're a man. If you have a vagina, you're a woman, which of course there are people who have vaginas who are not women mm-hmm. and there are people who and people that fall in between men, exactly and people who fall in between mm-hmm. there's a multiplicity of genders and gender gender identities um but sex is you know that sex is your biological sex and that is completely different from gender and how you say you identify yourself um and those people who are saying that are, are not allowing any room for gender expression. They're saying your sex needs to match your gender and your gender must match your sex, which is just setting back the community um, and what the community has been fighting for. But I think that it's important to recognize that there have been people like this in our community since the dawn of the gay liberation movement where... Um, specifically white people were um white gay people white lesbians were fighting for their rights to have gay relationships to be in homosexual relationships with other white people um but they would say to transgender people and they would say to people of color um that they were not really allowed in their spaces because they are, they were trying to 
say to the white straight society like oh no we're we're just, we're just like, like you. you. We, we can be racist too, and and yep. we're we're we wear pants, yeah, men yeah. wear pants, women wear dresses, and and we're like that. We just want to, you know, kiss the same yeah. same sex. Um, and they were always trying to push mm-hmm. the the non-binary out of the community. Yeah. It was all about conforming. It was all about conforming, despite mm-hmm. our slight like the slight difference. It was like we're a little bit different, but we're just like you. Exactly like what you were saying. Exactly. I don't know how to how to stop this because we are obviously seeing that there are more gay spaces and more people being allowed to express their gender. And so it's like, how do we get the community to start allowing for the multiplicity of gender identities to be shown? It's it's I think it's normative society. I think it starts with normative society because that behavior stems from fear. It stems from this idea that if we don't conform, there will be consequences, and therefore, from an antagonist, yeah, yeah, and therefore we must snuff out those among us who will bring our downfall. You know what I mean? And that sounds like crazy radical, and I. But the stakes are that high. Yeah, the stakes are that high, and it's it's sad. But at the same time, I'm I'm not saying that's an excuse because it's not. It's it should be our community is coming together, arm in arm, and understanding that there's something greater that we are fighting for, which is it it's for each other. And that's that's so broad, but that's just what it is. It's fighting for each other. It's fighting for a person next to you, whether or not they're queer just like you. You should be fighting for these people existing in peace. You know what I mean? Allowing them to live out their lives without feeling like they're a piece of shit for existing as they are. And so it's, it's, it's so complicated, but it all stems from the fact that like heteronormative society has placed expectations and rewards for meeting those expectations in such a way that queer people that are more acceptable in that sense, it puts them in a position where they're like, yeah, I'm taking those rewards over saying i love my sister over here who's non-binary like it's it's you know what i mean but like to like highlight um the beauty um that exists in our community what impassions you to like keep going and keep expressing yourself without a filter to live true to you because that shit's hard and i know and we know it's hard we know it's so fucking hard as you've explained and like there are things that you have not said that i'm sure have been hard. It's 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 a life of of trial, uh, a life of triumph as well that comes from you deciding to express yourself despite. So like how do you how do you keep doing that? Like what what inside you says I got to do this. This is bigger than me. It's hard um uh but there's no other person on the face of the planet that I would rather be than myself. And it comes with literally loving yourself. Um, like I was saying earlier, some days I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you look bad today. Like you looking not cute. You're looking fatter than you want to be, or you're looking like, um, you know, just gross and judging yourself. But I'm always after, after any time that I drag myself into oblivion, I'm like, okay, but you love yourself. You love yourself. And I think that, um, it comes with a lot of, allowing yourself to be a bunch of different people too people try to tell me that like i'm wearing a shirt that says femme 
And, and, and I love claiming my femininity, but a lot of people try to say to me that I am feminine. And a lot of people are like, Ryan Jane Moore, a feminine gay man. And I disagree with that because I think that I don't need to fit myself in a box of being one specific thing. Um, and like, that's just an example of what I was trying to say is that in my gender identity, I feel like I am exploring mm-hmm. shades of femininity, shades of masculinity, shades of nothingness, shades of in between, shades of like alien, shades of like literally like unicorn. Just yeah. do whatever you want. Well, because if we if we all lived our truth, it'd be way too powerful. Like that's like that's the tea is that by suppressing our power and our infinity of self, then these systems just are like, able to oh, mobilize you and put you where on. they want you. They're afraid of you because that's powerful. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> we do like to ask every guest what you're a big fan of right now in this moment. And it could be anything that's bringing you joy um, oh that you want to share. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So much. Like, literally so much brings me joy. Um, oh, I'm going to talk about Lady Gaga for a second because... Um, it literally would not be an interview with me if I didn't talk about Lady Gaga for more than I should, (laughs) because I literally (laughs) talk about her all the time. And I always bring her up when it comes to like literally any conversation it's in class. Like I'm on zoom class. I talk about Lady Gaga. I'm like in person talking about Lady Gaga. She, and this goes in tandem with the whole answer that I gave earlier about like being myself um I don't give credit to Gaga but I think that she has helped me so much with um loving myself and being who I am because um she has just since the beginning of her career been unabashedly herself and has been like the monster that um the media has always just kind of placed judgment on um and it's been really interesting to see the transition of her career because I feel like she started off being the outcast being the weird girl that everyone was judging and um I feel like very similarly um and I relate to her in a lot of ways in that way where like like I look up to Gaga in a way where I'm just like, I don't look at her and see her. I look at her and I see me and I look at her and I see what I could be. I see how I should be myself. I see, I see the best version of me who is unabashedly himself, who is unapologetic about what he's passionate about and what he loves and what he stands for. Um, and she's outspoken about all of the issues that she stands by, as well as doing it with, um, grace, as well as like wearing 10 inch stilettos while she's doing it. And like wearing an outrageous outfit that people are always talking about. Um, and so I think that Lady Gaga is bringing me joy right now and so um yeah i recommend that everyone just like always go check out lady gaga's instagram for like new updates on things 
um, related to activism as well. And, and that's what I'm hoping to do with my platform um, at some point in the future, when I, if I'm ever nice. famous. That's what you've done today. Oh my gosh. I am famous right now yeah. because yeah. of this podcast. I feel fame. But I yeah, just because of that shirt. give you a second to plug all your social media so people can find you on the internet. I did internet not know that existed. And what the experience fuck? the beauty that we experience. So plug away. Yes. Um, so I am on Instagram, as we've said, if you didn't know already. It's um, ryan.j.more, R-Y-A-N dot J-A-Y dot M-O-O-R-E. Um, and then... My other Instagram, that's my main Instagram, where you'll find me posting mostly. Yeah. Um, and I have another secondary Instagram called Hollywood underscore drag queen, um, where I post like my makeup and I just, I'm posting like if I'm ever doing drag, I post that there. Uh, well, thank you so, so much for being on our show. Yes. Oh, Ryan, it really has meant so much. Thank you so much for listening to Big Fan. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe wherever you may listen to your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you on social. You can reach us on our Instagram at bigfanpod underscore. Don't forget the underscore. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. See See you you again again soon. soon!